this video, this is Recorded for Quality Assurance, an interview series where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and simplifying the process of delivering great customer service. Welcome to the pod, Erica. Do I have your permission to record this call for Quality Assurance? You sure do, Haley. Great. Thank you so much. So, Erica, can you give our listeners and readers some insight into your background, where you started and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. Gosh, close to 20 years ago, I uh, joined a startup. Um, It was a B2B SaaS company serving the healthcare space. And I was employee number 10. I wore quite a few different hats, but my primary responsibility there was implementation. And I really, you know, helped develop that function for our organization, built the team, established all the processes uh, that went along with it. And, um, you know, for a couple of years, we were part of Intuit. They acquired us and I learned a ton under that organization about how to be just incredibly, you know, customer centric in, in everything we do. And, you know, when we kind of moved away from into it, I was asked to step into support and lead support. So there I, I led a pretty, pretty substantial transformation. Um, I, I established all the right KPIs. Um, I'm really focused on people, you know, how many people, what's the right team structure, the process, the tools, all of the things that you need to do to really, you know, have a high performing team. I took that um, customer sat for for that team uh, from about 40% to 98% um, month over month. And then from there, I moved moved on to another startup. And um, this was a another start B2B SaaS company in healthcare. That seems to be my, my wheelhouse these days. And, um, you know, I, I led implementation support and, and customer success for that organization. From there, I went to yet another B2B SaaS company in healthcare and really worked in uh, service transformation and led a lot of initiatives related to the customer experience. So that was a lot of fun. It's really where, you know, I, I kind of fell in love with, with the whole concept of, of customer experience and how do all the, the pieces fit together and how do you really, you know, make sure that, that customers are you know, having a positive experience with your company and also simultaneously getting a lot of value from the product that they purchased from you. Uh, most recently, I, I actually stepped away from my role as the vice president of customer experience at a seed stage startup. Um, I'm enjoying a little bit of a sabbatical right now before I dive into my next challenge. Great. It's lovely to take a little break from time to time, recharge the batteries and come back strong. It is. Yes. So you were talking about setting the foundation of process. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what are the key elements uh, of setting correct process for your specifically contact centers and your service agents to get to the point of delivering excellent customer experience? Yeah, and that can be kind of a tricky thing, right? But I think it it really boils down to, you know, what are the actual steps involved with, you know, solving a particular issue or escalating a particular issue? Um, Who are the owners of that? And and just really being clear in in terms of not not only the steps, but 
the roles and responsibilities as well with, within those processes. And, you know, processes always tend to evolve, right? So, so I'm always looking at how do we do this a little bit better? How do we do it more efficiently? Can we, you know, enable this with technology to be more efficient? But those are always questions that go through my mind as well. Interesting. Here at Vistio, we really focus on process first. So yeah. when you said process, I jumped all over it. I, I love that. Yeah. You know, the other thing is too, if you've got a bad process, you definitely can't automate it with technology. You're just going to set, set yourself up for uh, failure, I think. So, you know, I agree with you, Haley. It's really important to get that process, process down, Pat, just right first. Couldn't agree more. So to uh, go back to a conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had been discussing a topic that is top of mind for a lot of our colleagues. And there's a lot of terms floating around to define our industry and what you know customer experience is. There's CX, customer support, customer service, customer success, and on and on. Do all these terms define different things? And how do we untangle these, this plethora of terms that we've now accumulated? Yeah, man, I, I do think they all define different things. And I really wish we could agree on the terminology from company to company. But, you know, one thing I've noticed is, is companies are often slapping the term CX or customer experience on a lot of different things. I think Right now, you know, CX is um, is kind of a trendy thing out there. Obviously, it's a it's a really valuable function in an organization. But I think because it is a, a little bit more of a trendy term, companies and and you know maybe HR folks are are putting that <laughs> that role or, or or that name on job descriptions and positions. But I've noticed it actually means a lot of different things. So you really have to kind of dig in and and untangle, you know, what what each company is referring to when they uh, mention customer experience. Uh, I do think they're they're different. You know, customer experience really to me is all about how you know it's orchestrating how all the different pieces fit together. And, you know, how does that look and feel for the customer and, and really being intentional about designing a great experience, um, you know, the whole way through the journey from, from the time really the customer starts to hear about your product through the sales cycle, onboarding, you know, getting value and, and support and renewal and, and so on. Like it's the whole, the whole picture, if you will. Um, you know, customer success is... Really, it's a methodology that that companies should adopt, but it's also a function within um, within a lot of our companies these days. And you know, it's really all about making sure the customer achieves value from the product that they're using the product to the to its fullest extent. Um, and so that way, when you get to that renewal discussion, it's not even a discussion; it's a no brainer for the customer. They find so much value in your product that they're, they're happy to um, renew with you. You know, sometimes the implementation and enablement um, functions are rolled up into customer success too. I, I see it uh, a lot of different ways at, at different companies, but it's really about making sure the customer's um, getting value, getting value from the product. And then, you know, customer support, right? Every company has some kind of customer support line and to me, that is that is really all about um, helping customers resolve their issues uh, quickly and easily. And I think those are two key terms, quickly and easily. 
in, in a lot of our organizations that, that really means self-service um, or empowering our customers to, to accomplish tasks in, in the technology on their own so that they don't even have to contact us. Um, but you know, when they do need to contact us, it needs to be easy and, and hassle-free for them. So there's a lot of terms floating around out there. That's kind of how I view, view it. Um, uh, again, I see customer experience all over the place. And, and I think that's just because that's kind of the, the trendy term right now. Yeah, I agree. I think we use CX sometimes as a blanket term. Yes. And so when we were discussing that in an earlier call, I thought it was interesting as we unravel because there are so many terms floating around. I think also it's easy to get caught up in those trendy terms. We see that on the technology side mm -hmm. as well when we see RPA and AI and automation, some of these buzzwords, and we yeah. think that we therefore need to get on board. Yeah. And even make purchasing decisions because of these trendy acronyms and terms. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, I've seen that across a lot of companies as well. Yeah, definitely. So switching uh, gears a little bit, you have so much experience working as a leader in the customer service sector of large companies. Do you think needs to change, uh, excuse me, what do you think needs to change at the organizational level to enable the customer service sector to deliver excellent customer service? Yeah, I think there's a few things that, that stand out to me. Um, one is yeah, the rapid pace of changes. Um, it really, really makes it challenging to, to keep all, our, all of our artifacts straight, right? The knowledge base, you've got documentation, you've got all sorts of enablement materials out there. And you know what I've noticed is it's just it's just really challenging to, to keep all of that current and you know make sure that our agents really trust the um the <laughs> I guess the version of the materials that that are already out there. I think there's a couple other things as well, you know, alignment just across our, our companies really to deliver a great customer experience. Each team needs to operate from, from the same page and, and really give the customer, you know, consistent information and, and a consistent feeling experience. Um, I think those are really two, two, um, things that we need to focus on in our organizations to empower our you know, support agents and anyone on the front lines who's working with customers to um, you know, maintain that high level of customer service. So when we talk about CX being a part of a broader picture of the organization, in your opinion, how do we get custom, the customer service sector out of the silo and recognized as an integral part of the business as a whole? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, I really think, uh, it, you know, kind of at a higher level in the organization, you know, someone needs to be driving kind of that cohesiveness across the board. And I, you know, what I'm seeing is a lot of organizations are investing in a, a role like that, someone who can really kind of help facilitate the alignment across the organization. I mean, customer customer service can be a really valuable 
um, function in your organization, or it could be completely the opposite of that. It's really, how do you want to invest in that team and, and what do you want them to be? I mean, they're either going to help you retain your customers or they're going to drive customers away, um, you know, by, by having a whole bunch of hoops that customers have to jump through or, you know, just being slow or, or whatever. Um, you know, so support leaders need to be, you know, on their A game and make sure that their teams are, are delivering and they can always look at the data and the metrics and, and understand what's going on in their teams. A good um, operations team, a good, you know, customer operations team is going to help with that as well. The, um, you know, there, there's a number of other things, but I think even laddering it up a little bit further, just having someone in the organization who's, who's really driving that, that cohesiveness. So, you know, for example, when the product team is putting out a, a new product, you know, a new product or a new enhancement or something like that, really making sure all of that trickles down um, into the customer facing teams and, and, and into your marketing teams and, and kind of every touch point across the way so that, you know, customers are really benefiting from it and your support agents are not caught off guard. How many times have you seen that happen where, you know, something, you know, marketing might run a campaign or product puts out something new and everybody seems to forget to tell the support team and the support team's kind of caught like a deer in the headlights. And, and that's really unfortunate for them. And that is not setting, setting the individual, um, agents up to be successful either. So I think it's really important that there's a, a person in an organization or a function in an organization that helps drive that cohesiveness across the board. Can you give a specific example of perhaps something that a strategy that you've implemented that you've seen work in breaking down organizational silos so that the customer service teams don't get left out of the mix? Yeah, um, I definitely think it helped, uh, you know, it, it really starts kind of at, at the higher level, right? So there's alignment of strategy and, you know, alignment, every, every part of the business understands what each other's priorities are, and that trickles down into, the, into each functional group. Um, you know, another thing too, just kind of how, how do you help keep people aligned? I think those voice of customer feedback loops are really important too, and, and continually sharing the, the insights and the, and the stories that you're hearing from the front lines is, is really, really important as well um, to really help make sure everyone truly understands how customers are, are interacting with your organization and, and what that experience is like. They, you know, without that, I think a lot of, um, a lot of companies tend to make assumptions about, you know, we, we know this is what the customer wants, or we think this is what the customer wants. Um, and, and that's really hard then when, when you're rolling out new things, you make assumptions about what the customer wants. You're probably making assumptions all over the place as well. And that can really result in, in failure at the end of the day. Agree. I think going back to something you said earlier, and it's something that we emphasize on the podcast so much that oftentimes when a customer finally gets to an agent, it is the only human touch point that they have mm -hmm. within an organization. And so it's so important that we have empowered these agents to be basically subject matter experts on our product and giving them confidence, trusting them, 
but giving them those support tools to enable them to be those, those experts and making sure that they're also valued in the larger scope, scope mm-hmm. of the organization. Yeah. So that actually leads me into my next question. How do you think C-suite executives are currently looking at the CX function and even as granular as the contact center floor? And mm-hmm. how should they be looking at it? Yeah, I guess kind of going back to my my earlier point, um, you know, some companies just label everything customer facing as customer experience. And, and again, I think those those companies and those executives who look at it that way are, are kind of missing missing the point or really missing the value that a solid customer experience function uh, can bring to, to your company. But, you know, I think there's a lot of really smart executives out there who, who realize it's far more complicated than that when you're starting to talk about the, um, the overall customer experience. They, they really understand that their business won't exist without customers. Uh, and therefore, they need to prioritize that investment uh, in, in the customer experience by, by hiring a solid leader, you know, helping to drive that, that cross-functional alignment that it really requires uh, in order to make meaningful change. They, they invest in the right tools um, and, and, you know, really help in the overall orchestration of that. And I think that really, you know, pulls through to the contact center as well. Like you said, contact centers, you know, they, they might be the, the only point of contact that a customer has with your company. And so that's one opportunity and one opportunity only that, that we have to, you know, make an impression on a customer. And that can be, you know, a, a make or break decision that that customer has with, with our organization. So it's got to be, I think that's a really important um that's a really important touch point, right? It's not just oh support, they're over there, they're they're responding to customer questions. No, your your support team really has um, a, a big responsibility to to represent your company uh, very well, so that you you can retain that customer in the long run. I completely agree, and I think it's so valuable for C suite executives to even get into the trenches a little bit. I was talking to Jeff Toyster the other day and he was talking about how valuable the exercise of even the CEO of a company going out and either calling customers directly who have interacted with the customer service team or even that CEO going to the contact center and speaking directly to agents and seeing them do their day-to-day job and how they're interacting with customers to gain a better understanding and then to also appreciate the hard work that they're doing. Yeah. I love when executives are willing to roll up their sleeves and spend a little bit of time trying to, you know, understand um, the the contact center a little bit better and understand the customers a little bit better. And, you know, I'd even take that a a few steps further. I, I think it's really beneficial you know, when other functions can, you know, spend a little bit of time shadowing or, or answering some support calls as well. Um, when I was leading a, a support team, I had our developers just come and, and kind of rotate in, you know, they'd send one, one or two uh, of their folks over, you know, every week and, and would spend an hour, you know, just kind of listening in on calls. And there were so many 
moments of, oh my gosh, I can't believe you have to deal with this. I could fix this so easily for you. Right. And, and we don't even have to, <laughs> you know, make, make this whole big deal about it, um, by, by you know, prioritizing all, all of these, you know, big roadmap items. Right. Um, so we actually ended up kind of creating this whole bug bash function, right. Where our developers had some time allocated in, in each sprint to, you know, tackle things like that. So the things that they were noticing by just sitting with our, our support agents um, really made a big impact. So I think it's a valuable thing for really any, any function in the organization to, to kind of just understand what the contact center does. Um, it, it's certainly not easy work, but there's a lot of valuable things and collaboration that can result from it as well. I completely agree. I think this is kind of a one-off and random thing, but uh, I had heard a story recently about an organization that had spent thousands and thousands of dollars to improve the technology that they were providing to their agents. And they created this very elaborate stack. And when it really came down to it, and one of the C-level leaders actually went to an agent and asked, all they really wanted was a more comfortable chair. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's such an interesting concept that you can, if you really get in the trenches and just go and talk to your agents, you can save yourself so much money and time and all of these things. And like we've been talking about, there's this big disconnect uh -huh. and it could be as simple as providing a better chair. <laughs> yeah, isn't that that's a that's a really funny story. And I think, you know, back to my earlier point, we talked about making assumptions, right? We assume we know what customers want. We assume we know what our, our employees want too. And you know, how much easier is it just to ask a simple question? You know, hey, <laughs> how can we make your lives better? How can we make your lives easier? Um, it's a great question for for customers. It's a great question for employees too. And I, I think that's just a simple thing that. So many of us get so busy and, and caught up in our day-to-day -day tasks and, and our goals that we just forget to ask those simple questions. Exactly. So this actually leads me right into my next question. This is a personal opinion that I think we often overload our agents with the technology that they have to use in order to properly execute a call. Yeah. That's just an opinion. But, and I've seen it happen with sitting in and watching an agent as they're toggling through all of these different screens and using all of these different interfaces, very impressively, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to the technology that we are providing for our agents to deliver great customer service, in your opinion, what are the greatest pain points that you've seen? I think it's related to what you just shared, Haley. Um, you know, there's so many systems out there that, that you know, information is often really fragmented and, and hard to find. And imagine being a new agent, you come on board and you're wondering, where do, where do I look for this or that? Like, and, and when I do find it, can I count on that to be true or does it live somewhere else and it's more current? Um, and, and so they end up asking someone usually just in case, I think it's really important that, you know, employees are confident in the information that they access and, and that it's most current and up to date. But I also think that, you know, the technology we have, um, in our, in our contact centers and in our companies is often really underutilized. 
Um, you know, I, I, I've noticed when you implement a new solution, you're, you're typically implementing it for perhaps a handful of use cases and the rest just kind of sits on the shelf. Um, there's a lot more value, I think, that we could get from our tools and, and um, you know, maybe by connecting some of the tools a little bit more effectively so that information flows. Um, I, I think, you know, everybody probably would agree with that. And, and I think most folks would want to do it, but I, it also comes down to priorities and bandwidth and, and often, you know, <laughs> how do we use our tools better? That just doesn't make it above the line. Um, so I think it's important though, to, from time to time to really, you know, step back and, and look at the tools that you have in your contact center and in your company. And, you know, are, are there ways we can get more out of them? Can we use them differently? Can we connect them with, you know, can we connect Zendesk and Jira? Can we connect Vistio with, with other, um, tools that we're using? You know, there's all sorts of things like that, that we should be looking at instead of, you know, implementing our technology in a silo and, and, you know, making it work for those handful of use cases. Um, the other thing, Haley, I think uh, a lot of people expect technology to be that silver bullet, and it's not. <laughs> um, I think technology is a tool that can help you get the job done, um, and, and you need good tools in order to get the job done. But, you know, your tool is only going to be as good as, you know, the process <laughs> that it's supporting or the data that gets entered in it. So um, I think that's another important point to consider when you're when you're talking about tools in, in companies. Really in alignment with my thought as well. And I think we we talk about this so much that it's the the sweet spot of delivering excellent customer support, excellent customer service is that where people, process, and technology meet. Mm -hmm. So you lay this great foundation of mm -hmm. excellent process. You have great people working for you, and then you provide them with the correct tools, and there you go. Yeah. Agree. So, yeah. Uh, just a quick question in regard to the technology tools. If you were to go into an organization and you had the ability to start from scratch with the technology tools that you gave to your agents, what would that technology toolbox look like? And it can be as, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the phone system that they'd use, their CRM. Yeah. But I'd love to get your opinion on what you think that toolbox should look like. Yeah, I, I definitely think a really solid ticketing system that's well connected with the CRM. Now, a lot of CRMs have those in place. Um, <laughs> to begin with, and, and that may or may not meet your needs, but I think, you know, a, a good solid ticketing system is foundation for that. Um, there's a couple other things too, obviously a, a smart, you know, phone system that's going to connect your callers with the right people. And, and of course the chat and, and all the different channels, right. You need the technology to, to support that. Um, you know, I think really some kind of solid tool for, for knowledge management. And, and again, often that comes with the ticketing system, but there's a lot of really good standalone knowledge management tools out there that, that can help aggregate the, um, all the information that floats around our organizations uh, and make it a lot easier to find. So, um, you know, that's definitely something that, that I would invest in as well. I'd also probably invest in a really good um, customer experience kind of platform so you can collect that 
voice of customer feedback and, and really um, analyze that. I, I don't think the, the gold is in the numbers or the scores that you get. I think the gold is in the um, subjective feedbacks and kind of the trends that start to emerge from, the, from that feedback that you get uh, by asking your customers for, for you know, how, how's it going? Again, that simple question of how can, how's it going? What's it like to work with us? How can we do better? Um, so those are things I'd probably start with. Uh, and then obviously as the contact center matures, there's probably a lot of other things we could consider adding in as well. You agree. So um, just out of, per again, personal curiosity, in regards to knowledge base and how we provide the answers to agents so that they can then uh, provide the answers to our customers, what have you found to be the best strategy for providing that inf information to agents so that they can handle calls efficiently and effectively? I think just, you know, <laughs> aside from having the right tool, you know, when you have that, that knowledge base, it really requires rigor behind it, keeping it current. Um, it can't just be an afterthought that some agents are gonna, you know, maybe jump in and, and review and update on a periodic basis. I think it needs to be an someone's actual job description. There needs to be some rigor behind it. Um, and then also close partnership with the other functional groups who, you know, like, like products management, when you work for a SaaS-based company, what, what's coming down the pipe? How do we create materials for our customers um, so that they can, you know, self-serve or understand how to use the new features and functionality, but also how do we make sure our employees are well-equipped to support these, these new features and functions that, that our product team's putting out there? I think that's such an interesting answer because it goes back to having a representative at the top mm -hmm. to ensure that when there are changes with the product that there isn't an assumption that it's trickling down that we know that it's trickled down because there is either a team in place or an individual in place that is bridging the gap yes right absolutely i think that's so important um so i wanted to quickly turn to agent attrition and as you're taking a little sabbatical and taking time <laughs> for yourself to recharge your batteries which i think is so important for all of us uh, that it reminded me of this question. So obviously agent attrition has been a long time issue for contacts mm -hmm. contact centers, but particularly during the pandemic where we were stripped of so many of our, so much of our outside lives mm -hmm. and that it was really easy to just get hyper-focused on work. So how do we combat agent, in your opinion, what's the best way to combat agent attrition and what are some ways we can even avoid burnout for our agents, but also ourselves? Yeah, Haley, what, what a great question. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to figure, figure that out for myself, probably in a lot of ways. But I, you know, I remember two years ago when the pandemic was kind of kind of new. Man, I just remember thinking, wow, my schedule is completely clear. I didn't have, you know, activities that I needed to take the kids to. There were no, you know wine nights, no book club, no half marathons. And it felt 
fantastic because all these things um, <laughs> were suddenly off my schedule. And I really felt like I was free to focus on my two priorities, which were, you know, which were and continue to be, you know, my work and, and my family. Um, and so I did that. I went all in on, on those two things, but I didn't realize that, you know, kind of removing all those seemingly insignificant things really, um, how much they keep me kind of just recharged and, and, and going. And they were, you know, adding a little bit of, you know, variety and, and, a, you know, a break from the, the, those two things that are so important to me. And they actually helped me be better. Um, I crashed and burned a little bit <laughs> at, at, at one point over the past two years. And, you know, I think, you know, when you pull that through to the contact centers, I think our agents feel it. I think our, our leaders feel it. And I think our customers feel it. And, wow, what a dangerous time to be working in support, um, right? Because you, you just don't know what you're going to get. So many people are just running on such a short fuse. Now, what do we even do about that? Um, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, will re would really tell, you know, self-care, right? That's how you prevent burnout. You need to take time for yourself and, and, and do that. And I think that's important, but I don't think I... I don't think that burnout is really the result of a lack of self-care. I think burnout, you know, to really get ahead of it, especially in this kind of post-pandemic time that we're that we're living in, you know, we need to look at our, our workplaces, I think, a little bit more holistically and not just employee by employee and how are they taking care of themselves, right? What are what are we doing in our workplaces to to you know help? you know, help them not become burnout or what are we doing that might be driving that burnout? Um, are we promoting balance and well-being? Um, are we actually doing it or are we just talking about it? You know, I think, um, you know, we need to also understand what, what does this mean to our employees? What does like well-being mean? It's going to look different to, to everybody. But I think in the end, you know, we need to just think about how we build a resilient workplace, right? Um, where are the stressors and where are the points of friction? Just like we look for friction when we're when we're um, talking about customer support and customer service interactions, let's let's start putting a focus on that with our employees. How do we, you know, find those friction points and and remove them and and remove them so that we create this environment of of well being and and resiliency in our workplace. Um, another way I think that that we can do this in our workplaces is really align the work we do every day to, to a purpose. And, you know, I think some companies do that a lot better than others. Um, it's not just a cheesy thing you put on a wall somewhere, but it's like a, a real purpose. Like, why are we here? Why are we spending eight plus hours a day together every day? And why are we doing this work? Why does it matter? Um, those are things that I think we really need to focus on. It's not the pizza parties or the ping pong tables. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of over that. Um, they're nice to have. Great. You know, I don't think anyone's complaining, but those are not the things that are going to keep our employees from being burnt out. Um, it's, it's more connected to the actual work we do and, and the cultures and the environments that we create um, around that. And, and I think also we, we all, and especially as contact center leaders, need to you know, learn to recognize some of those symptoms of burnout. So when we have an employee um, who might be struggling. I, I think burnout's a hard thing to, to admit. Like, hey, I think I'm getting burnout here. Folks very rarely will raise their hand and, and say that. That still can be a, 
you know, not the not the right look, right? A lot of folks don't don't want to say that it's vulnerable. Um, we need to make sure our employees are comfortable with that, and you know, your, our leaders need to be comfortable with with sitting an employee down and saying, "Hey, you know, how's everything going?" and and maybe suggest some time off or, um, you know, something to help that employee catch their burnout before it really bites them in the butt because, you know, it will sneak up on you. And, and if it does, it, it might not be pretty. I love the idea that you talk about creating a culture of self-care with on the contact center floor, but also going directly to agents and saying, Hey, how are you doing? And I think it's the best way to get feedback and Mm -hmm. to combat agent attrition is to just genuinely care about how how everyone's doing at work. Yeah. And it exactly, it's not the pizza parties. It's not the, it's not the ping pong tables. It's not the gamification, perhaps it's really just actually caring and creating that culture where it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to take some time to recharge your batteries. And I think oftentimes taking time off, I think there can be some interesting ideas that go through an employee's mind. If I take time Mm -hmm. off, they'll realize they don't need me. Yeah. Yeah. I I take time off. I'm going to miss, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to miss changes that happen or also just not seeing that I'm as dedicated to the position. And I think that those thoughts kind of need to be taken yeah. care of. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you on that. It's an interesting topic and it's especially, it's such a good thing to talk about, to remind ourselves Yeah. outside of the work environment, what it means to make sure that we are bringing our best selves to our families and yeah. Yeah, yeah. in our work. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to wrap up the podcast. I'm just going to ask some fun questions or what I think are fun questions. What are some resources? What are some of your go-to resources, podcasts, publications, online platforms, groups, things like that? Do you regularly reference to stay on top of industry trends and news? Yeah, I, you know, I think I've curated a pretty good Twitter and LinkedIn feed. (laughs) So I follow a lot of um, thought leaders on there, like Shep Hyken, Jeremy Watkin, Nate Brown, um, Bruce Temkin. I think Allison Pickens, she's uh, real big in the customer success side. She's got a lot of great things out there. Stephanie Toome and and many, many more. Um, A lot of these people put out newsletters as well. Jeff Toyster is another one, by the way. You mentioned him earlier. He's fantastic as well. Um, He also puts out a newsletter. So there's a lot of really good content that that just gets wrapped up in that. Um, There's so much good content out there. It's it's really hard to to keep up. So that's kind of why I've um, whittled it down to, you know, my my Twitter feed and, you know, I follow CX and customer support, customer, you know, a lot of customer topics on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm part of a couple of different communities that I find really valuable. One is the uh, CX Accelerator that, that Nate Brown leads. Um, that's a great community. A lot of great ideas get shared there. A lot of um, community members will, will throw out a question and kind of crowdsource answers. Um, I think that's really, really valuable. And uh, I recently joined a customer success leaders community as well. Um, and that's similar to the CX Accelerator that, that Nate leads. 
if you were to um, think of books that you've read throughout your career, even when you were starting, mm -hmm. what do you think, um, I'm, this is really just a personal question. What do you think are some books that you would recommend for people looking to advance maybe their career in CX mm -hmm. or even to look for as a resource to improve the CX function of their organization. Yeah. Wow. Some, some really good ones out there. You know, one, this isn't C, you know, customer service related at all, but there's a book called mindset by Carol Dweck. And I think that is just such a good, good book. And, um, you know, it, it kind of helps paint the picture of, you know, I, I can't do this yet. I'm not, you know, this isn't my strong suit yet, but, but really promotes that growth mindset. So I think that's a really good one. Um, it's a good, um, I, I think that's really helped me kind of navigate different, you know, change management scenarios that I've approached, um, throughout my career. So I'm a really big fan of that book. Um, the effortless experience is, you know, hands down, probably one of my favorite, you know, books out there. It's really shaped the way I think about delivering service to customers. Um, let's see, there's a couple of other books out there. Allison Pickens um, was the chief, I, I think the chief customer officer at Gainsight for a while. And, and um, she's written some really good books about just that whole customer success methodology and how do we make sure we're really driving value through, you know, through our organizations and, and making sure that our customers, you know, want to continue doing business with us. Um, that's another really good one. Um, those are probably my top, um, Jean Bliss has written some really good books too, like the chief customer officer. Um, so those are really some of my favorites. Those are great. You mentioned a lot that I wasn't aware of. So mm -hmm. thank you so much. I'm going to put them on my reading list. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being on Recorded for Quality Assurance. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Haley. Thanks for having me. This has been Recorded for Quality Assurance. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And to learn more about Bistio, visit bistio.io.